Around here, we stand for the flag. We say the Pledge of Allegiance and are proud to be Americans. This is Cranked About Politics. Check out the website at www.crankedpodcast.com. We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. So sit back and relax as Brad and Curtis take you on a political journey. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll get mad. But in the end, it's all just crap. Want to chat with Brad and Curtis? Call the listener line toll-free at 833-282-6868. This is Cranked About Politics, and I'm Curtis McKinney, and I have a very special guest in the studio with me right now. He's running for Magistrate Judge Division One, Mr. Jim Smith. How you doing, sir? Doing great, Curtis. Thanks for having me here. Well, you know, it's exciting. It's exciting this whole political season. 19 candidates, I hear, are running for office here in Eddy County. And that's, you know, that's unheard of. That's, that's quite a few. And, and of course, it's a, especially exciting for me being the fact that this is my first mint venture into anything political and uh, as I've said before, I'm not really classified, uh, in my opinion, as a politician. I'm just a just a run of the middle guy, and decided it was the the right time and right thing to do. Well, that was that was the first thing actually I was going to talk to you about. Is you know that's that's what people are saying. They're saying, well, Jim's not a politician, and so there's there's a lot of pros to that because you're not all. I guess <laughs> acclimated to the political scene. Right, right. So, so you're bringing in some new ideas. Tell me, tell me what made you decide to do something like this. We had actually kicked it around about four years ago in the last race, and um, I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but it wasn't necessarily my time to run uh, back in 2013, 2014. Um, as you're probably well aware, there's there been a bunch of things regarding some new state laws that uh, have taken New Mexico by storm uh, with special attention to the catch and release program that's going on uh, that is literally driving uh, not only our local guys, uh, but the entire state of New Mexico's law enforcement community crazy. Uh, You go out and you arrest them and you take them to the jail and then they walk out. Uh, I was a huge, huge opponent of that. Um, and like I've stated before on several occasions, uh, one of the reasons that I that I decided to finally run is I believe very, very much that change begins from within. Well, and you know this whole catch and release thing that was going on. You, you know, you you were a bondsman, and you've been a bondsman for a long time. So you've seen, you know, you've seen the element come in and 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 go out that way. Correct. And with no bond at all, you said you were strongly opposed to it. Why? Why? Part of the issue is this: is is the primary purpose uh, of a bail bond, so to speak, was to ensure that a defendant released on any level charge. Uh, was going to return to court. Uh, and and that measure entailed that the bondsman that was on the proverbial stake for that defendant had a vested interest uh, in making sure that defendant showed up for court. As it works now, 
uh, with the majority of releases being uh, defendants released on their own recognizance, there is absolutely zero responsibility or accountability. There is no punitive measure if someone chooses to miss court at this time. They're brought back into court. Why do you miss court? Whatever the reason is, oh, see you later. And they're released again. Really? So they just turn them even again the second time? For the most part, uh, on on some on some major level felonies, after they're initially given the benefit of an OR bond, uh, they fail to appear. They're brought back in. Sometimes they're set a bond. Sometimes uh, they're doing the new thing, preventative detention now, holding them without bond. Uh, but but again, there is absolutely zero accountability. Uh, for instance, uh, Bob here gets arrested and he's brought in. Uh, nobody cares. Nobody has actually looked for him. We don't have our local law enforcement communities. We don't have the manpower, the time, the resources, the budget to track down every single individual that misses court. So it may take several years for the impact of this new law to actually affect the majority of New Mexicans. Some of those effects include, but aren't limited to, that our small departments are going to be inundated with perhaps thousands of warrants for failure to appear with no one looking for that individual. Number two, with no one looking for that individual, you could hide successfully for perhaps years and maybe you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe you're at a DWI checkpoint. Maybe you're in the wrong house that gets raided three or four years after you've begin running. That is going to begin to have a negative impact on conviction rates within New Mexico. Because as you well know, officers move, officers retire, witnesses move, witnesses pass away, evidence degrades, prosecutors move. There are so many problems that this is this particular law is going to bring forth that is yet to be seen. But one of the hardest decisions that I have to make is understanding, again, that I was a huge opponent of this new law. Right. However, once elected and once I'm on the bench, I am bound to abide by the state laws. But I can most assuredly tell you that accountability and consequences for failing to appear will be much more stringent in my courtroom. So that's something as as a magistrate judge that you will have a little bit of control with if they fail to appear. Yes, and, and I know you don't. You're not going to get into all that right now. That's something for a later date. That's, that's right? a, it's a lot of stuff, Curtis. <laughs> a lot of stuff. So, so you talked about accountability. I mean, and and that I know that you run your own life that way. And uh, you know, a lot of people know you around town. There's no doubt about it. But there's some that don't, and and you run by a pretty strict code of ethics on your own. I mean, tell me about that. I've been doing this 27 years, and I'm a very firm believer uh, in the old adage, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, a lot of people in this business... Uh, move it around a little bit and say, do unto others before they do unto you. You have to absolutely look for the good in everybody. I have dealt in the past 27 years, I have dealt with some people that you just, you can't script in your wildest imagination for a horror film. 
part of the reason that I've been successful in those 27 years is in the way I treat people as people with respect and with courtesy. And anyone that has ever worked for me has also been bound to abide by that creed in our office. You know, that's something that's something that a lot of a lot of people lack, you know, and that that's one of the things that I find really interesting with you is being that you're not a politician, you're you're not going in this with some ulterior motive. I mean, you're going in it because that's really what you believe. Correct. So I've been hearing a lot, and a lot of people don't know what this is, but I've been hearing a lot coming from your camp about uh, teeth and truth. I mean, oh. and that's, you know, and, and, and I've had people ask me when they're talking about you, they're like, you know, what the heck does that mean? And so I, I, that was something that, that one of our, our Facebook people asked the question about what, what is teeth and truth? So, so this again, uh, great. Uh, we've, uh, <laughs> we've actually been talking about this. Uh, I believe we actually announced, I believe it was November the 28th. Uh, we were contacted by a local reporter who wanted to come out and basically do an interview. Uh, I was under the very naive impression, excuse me, impression that it was going to be a quick, hey, who are you? Um, why are you running? Uh, good luck. It turned into a 45-minute long interview. And <clears throat> he had asked me regarding several policies and what have you, some of which, you know, we've kind of breached that you can't answer. Um, however, one of the questions that he asked that I could answer was regarding uh, misdemeanor sentencing and misdemeanor probation violations. And so many times you see someone sentenced to probation and 10 days later, they're back in court for the same crime or, or another misdemeanor level You see crime. that all the time, all the time. Uh, they're slapped on the wrist and they're sent back to probation. My concern is if you can't follow the, the relatively simple guidelines given to you, um, which includes primarily uh, don't commit any more crimes, and, and you're back in 10, 12 days later after having committed a, a new crime, you should probably do your balance in the Eddy County Detention Center. And we'll address the new one and maybe give you and, and just kill two birds with one stone while you're killing the time that you owe me for the first misdemeanor probation violation. So I, I popped off. And again, I'm not a politician, so I, I tend to say things that just pop in my head sometimes, you know. <laughs> uh, and one of those is one of the things I can tell you is that there will be teeth and truth in sentencing. And the reporter just kind of puts his pen down. He looks at me and he goes, teeth, huh? Like, like biting you? And I'm like, well, not really. But like when you're as old as I am, when you hear someone, well, that's got some teeth in it, you know there's something behind it. You know it has meaning. And then obviously the truth. When I tell you, if you violate your probation, you're going to do the balance of your probation in jail. So he stuck on that. I think our campaign manager actually stuck that on some buttons. Apparently that was a, <laughs> an off-the-wall thing that people keyed in on, so... I appreciate you bringing that up yet yet again. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, you know me. I yeah. have to. Yeah. So, so that's one of the things that in Eddy County for a long time. 
you know, people have have always been saying that they feel like people get off easy. And and I know you said that you're going to be fair. You know, obviously you're going to listen to everybody. You you don't plan on going in there and just railing on everybody. I mean, you're oh right. I mean, because that's that's something else. They're like, well, he's just gonna this teeth right. and truth thing, and he's just gonna throw the book at everybody, right. and they're good. You know. But but the same thing uh, that, that I told her the the reporter when he came in an interview just a couple months ago was. That is for individuals who have already been given a chance and couldn't abide by the terms and conditions they had. Hugely different story on individuals that come in that have made mistakes, that have have made true, honest-to-God mistakes. There's a huge difference. Of course, I'm going to sit there, and of course, I'm going to hear everyone's story. And that is the big thing, Curtis. Court can be a frightening place. Absolutely. Even something as simple as a traffic ticket um, or, or a minor lawsuit, it can be overwhelming if you're not a, a frequent flyer of magistrate court. It, it can be very overwhelming. Overwhelming. So everyone that goes to magistrate court seems to have the same want. It's very simple. They want to be heard. You let anyone before you speak their piece, and it's almost magical how many problems that can resolve when you've heard both sides of the story to their very end. So going back to your initial question, first-time offenders, misdemeanors, obviously, and people who have truly made mistakes, that's a huge difference. And they are going to be uh, held accountable, but obviously not to the degree that the repeat offenders and continual line steppers, if you will, Curtis, <laughs> I figured that would get a, a chuckle from you, uh, will be handled within my courtroom. So, you know, you've been around law enforcement. You've you've being a bondsman i mean you've worked hand in hand with with law enforcement i mean you're in you've been in the courtroom a whole bunch i mean i i remember seeing you in there a lot not because i was in trouble but i i've <laughs> i was trying to remember if you were in oranges or not <laughs> no but i mean you've been you've been up in the in the district court and the magistrate court Correct. a lot yes and uh, and again worked with law enforcement so you have a feel for how all of that kind of gels with each other talk to me a little bit about that one of the very unique perspectives that I have um, in running is the fact that for the past 16 years, I have been here in Carlsbad and have had the opportunity to work with some extremely phenomenal law enforcement. Um, that includes, you know, obviously our Eddy County Sh uh, Sheriff's Office, Carlsbad Police Department, our drug task force, state police, all super guys. But in the same token, Curtis, there are very few of the criminal element uh, that represent Carlsbad that I haven't dealt with on some capacity. So the uniqueness there is, in my opinion, what better person to be able to mesh those two sides together in court than someone who knows both sides? Absolutely. And, you know, as a bondsman and I, you know, I have to be honest, full disclosure here. I mean, I've been I've been in your office. You have when when people have come in to bond out and 
And although you've helped him out and you've been very nice to him, I mean, I've I've heard the spiel that you've given some of them. And I mean, and you've been tough with them, too. Well, you, and you have to be. And it, and it all comes back to basic accountability. Uh, there's a there's an old saying, work smart, not hard. And if you can let an individual know from the very beginning what is expected of them from that very moment, much like you would in the capacity of magistrate judge, I'm going to give you probation, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. However, here is the list of criteria that you need to abide by. Same principle, Curtis. When people have full disclosure and full knowledge of what is expected from them from the onset, things probably go a lot smoother. Okay, so I want to ask you something something else because this has been this has been kind of all over the news a little bit. There's been some turmoil in the magistrate court and uh you know, I don't know how much we can dive into that or not, but there was allegations made against one of the judges over there. Um things uh, you know, not so nice things, you know, that that was being said about him. Um I want to know about your thoughts on on that and what you would do once you're in office to to bring the professionalism back to that department. That's a good one, Curtis. Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I, I'm not pulling any punches with you, man. I mean, this is stuff people want to know too. And, I mean, and of course it is. And and, he, and here's the thing: I have known that particular judge for 16 years. 16 years. Um, he has never been anything other than polite, civil, courteous, and professional to me in all of my interactions with him. I don't know what went on. I don't really care to know all of what went on. It's none of my business. But just like everything, it, it's a little disconcerting when people want to judge and want to talk about and want to rant, given the little information they have. So what I would ask any of your listeners, regardless of their professional opinion or personal opinion of that specific judge, is withhold your judgment until all of the facts have come out. That's it. Are you are are you sure you haven't done this political thing before? Because that was good, Jim. I got to be honest. That was a really good answer. Well, actually, I'm um, (laughs) I'm actually just rehashing the quote from a few months ago. But seriously, I mean, it's none of my business. Um, I've known that judge again a long time. I have no problem with him. Um, Going on to your question about bringing back professionalism. We just had this conversation 30 seconds ago. Uh, I'm sure when I sit down on the bench the first time, I will be giving a strict set of marching orders and told what is expected of me. And I'm assuming that if I abide by the terms and conditions of my job requisites, that we will have no further problems. Well, now you're you're an educated man too. I mean, sometimes. <laughs> well, I, you know, because that's important too. I mean, you graduated top of your class. I mean, all that stuff. That's a long time ago, Curtis. But it takes, you know, you've got to 
to be able to compute, you know, because there's a lot to soak in. And what I would like to know is once you become judge, you know, how, how are you going to dive into that? Because I know you know a lot about, you know, the judicial system. You've been in it for a long time, but there's a lot of stuff that you're not going to know. And so what's your plan of attack for that? Because you're going to be inundated with information on, on that is actually a phenomenal question. Um, I've got this little character quirk and I've always had it. I don't like to do things. I don't like to participate in things that I'm no good at. I prefer to do what I excel at. Obviously I'm not a judge yet. Uh, I'm behind the learning curve. So basically the past couple of months, uh, I've read basically all of it over the past, you know, 15, 16 years since I've been here. Uh, But I've began reading what we refer to as the legal Bible in the state of New Mexico. And uh, it just goes on and on and on (laughs) and on. So I I brought up to one of my legalese friends the other day that uh, I'd been reading the rules of evidence. And he laughed and he said, Jim, you're wasting your time reading the rules of evidence. I said, what do you, what do you mean? I mean, I, I've got to know that. He goes, well, let me, let me explain something to you. If you make an error on the bench regarding the rules of evidence, A, the district attorney is going to bring it to, you, bring it to your attention, or B, the defense counsel is going to eat you on it. So, so <laughs> no harm, no foul. You're not going to make any, any irrevocable errors at that point. He goes, you need to read civil. And uh, so I began reading civil. Uh, I've, I've been able to get to two or three pages before I have to take a break for a nap now. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, there's just, there's so much, so much there. There really is. I mean, and so, so people that think, oh, that's no big deal. I could do it. Not, not everybody's cut out for, uh, to be a judge. I mean, they're really not. I mean, you have to have a certain amount of, I, I don't even know what you'd call I mean, you have to... What would be the word, Jim? You're you're a judge. Patience. Exactly. You've got to have some patience. Creativity. You've got to have some self-worth, too, because you've got to know that you're capable of absorbing all this information. Sure. And, I mean, you feel like you can do that? I do. <laughs> Hand, hands, hands down. And and I think one of the, the common complaints that we hear day in and day out is uh, I ran into a, a, an older gentleman last night at dinner, and uh, he was said he was so happy to hear I was running for judge. I was like, "Well, I don't know you, but I, I appreciate that. Why? Why do you? Why are you rooting for me for judge?" And he goes, "Well, I've heard a lot about you. Well, we didn't go into what he'd heard or what have you, but basically, um, he had a vehicle stolen last summer. His primary, his only means of transportation, his vehicle stolen." Uh, they were able to locate the driver of his vehicle, conducted a traffic stop, arrested the female who was on felony probation, had had been on felony probation for several months. She was booked in on a Sunday night and released via an OR bond on Monday morning. Nice. And, and now that young lady <laughs> is on the run and no one is looking for her because it is, it's basically nonviolent felony crime. Nobody cares. Wow. So he was... Super upset, um, and my wife, bless her heart, she, she's getting used to this. We'll go somewhere now, and she'll say, "Well, I'm going to take my car." Well, why are we taking two cars to dinner? 
well, someone's going to run into you and they're going to want to talk and I've got things to do. <laughs> so uh, it's it's become a second life now. Well, that that was the that was leads me into the next stuff I was going to ask you is you know how is your family handling this decision because you know it's it's tough on everybody when you hit the campaign trail and you're you're going around and and you're uh, you know having to make all these appearances and these interviews and these speeches and and all of this how are they how are they dealing with it? I am absolutely fortunate in that capacity. Uh, I've been married to my wife, Stephanie Smith, the only wife I've ever had for 23 years, <laughs> four, 23, certain is, certain is 23, certain. Um, I have, uh, this was both our first marriage. Um, we have two adult children. Uh, we don't have any little ones that we've got to constantly take care of, run to school, look after, daycare, any of that. She works, kids are grown, I have no life at this moment, so I can sink my and dedicate my entire clock of time that I set forth for me to, to do daily to running for judge. Well, that's, and, and she's, she's behind you 150%. Uh, behind me 100%. Well, that's, you know, it's, well, and this probably is going to be, you know, as demanding, I'm sure, if not more demanding than what you used to do. I mean, because you're going to be getting calls in the middle of the night, you know, for whatever it may be. I, you know, it's it's one of those kind of jobs. And I, I've heard, uh, I've heard. Uh, so I had the benefit of of being up around the clock for for as long as I have. A few phone calls now and then won't won't matter. But uh, for the most part, I'll I'll actually get to enjoy weekends at home. I haven't I haven't done that in you know, years years. Can I can I change gears for a second? Because I want to talk to you about. I know you're not a politician, so I want to get. Uh, well, then be, be prepared for any answer yeah, you may or may not get. You know, I want to get. I want to get your opinion on some of the stuff that's going on in politics nationally. Okay. You know, because a lot of people around here want to know. You know, you've got a lot of people on on the Trump train. You got a lot of people that aren't. You know, and this government shutdown that just happened, and I know it's back on and everything now, but. You know, what do you think about that with like DACA and, and things of that sort? I'm going to give you a very short answer. <laughs> what a joke. <laughs> what a joke. That's the answer. In what capacity? I mean, I, that, that could go either way, Jim. I mean, I, what, what a joke. You see, there you go, trying to be a politician again. What, what a joke in what way? I mean, they, is it a joke? Is it a joke because, you know. They, the, and when I say they, the people that shut the government down. If they could all work cohesively and in unity for the American people instead of for themselves and their independent desires and wishes, this would never happen. So you think it's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> Next question. What, what, do you, what do you got now? What do you got? Are these the answers I'm going to get? This is it. Oh, okay. So. I mean, how are you feeling about like the presidency and stuff like that now? I mean, because it's it's you know it's so controversial to a lot of people, a lot sure. Of, and and it seems like in my lifetime, and we're about the same age, I can't remember a time that a president was scrutinized as much as as Donald Trump is right now. Sure. And uh, you know, you're going to be under that too, because in in office. Man, judges catch it more than anybody, I think, as far as that goes. Every decision, 50% of the people aren't going to like most of the time. 
did you hear me say that yesterday at dinner? No, I didn't. Literally, I, I told someone, I said, you know, I've got a 50-50 shot in the decision I make. One half is going to love it. The other half, probably not so much. Um, but there's an old adage. You, you can't please everyone. You, you can't. Um, do I like Trump? You bet. Love him. However, however. You've known me for a long time, Curtis. I have. You have. Uh, I'm uh, 20 years. At I, least. I, uh, probably. <laughs> uh, something changed uh, in me a couple of months ago. I became much more cognizant of what I would say to people, especially in a public forum. Um, I think that is my main issue with Trump. Now, you ask so you can be prepared for the answer. Is the fact that he just pops off in the blink of an eye and says what is on his mind at any given time, I love him for that. But in the same token, in the same breath, oh, man, I wish you'd have just sat and thought just a couple of more seconds before you hit send on that tweet, man. You know, (laughs) Uh, bless Huckabee's heart. I mean, she's got to have the toughest job in the world going, oh. Oh, did you ever see that? Did you ever see that skit with Kellyanne Conway where she had her day off and <laughs> and and it was like every every five minutes she was before the podium defending some tweet yeah. or something? That yeah. was that was hilarious. That's great. I, so you're not going to do that. I mean, you're not you're not going to be talking. I don't have Twitter and and Twitter Twitter. What's it called? <laughs> because you were. I mean, you did. Let's be honest. I mean, you used to speak your mind pretty pretty heavily. Sure. And what actually brought that about was there are a small percentage of people that need to be spoken to in a very, very specific manner. I'm following. I'm following. You ought to see the look on his face right now. If you guys could see his look, you would know what he's talking about here. Which does not include the word please. Uh, You're basically giving them directives. Sure. Um, It's what they understand. Uh, But you're right. You know, I've I've, I've told some people some... Some stuff in, in no uncertain terms. and uh, But again, I, I'm trying to be the, the, the kinder, gentler Jim uh, going into this run for a judge. I had, in my, you know, in my career, I was fortunate and I, I was able to work with some very good district judges. Yes. One of which was, was Jay Forbes. Yes. And, uh, you know, I looked at Judge Forbes' kind of like a mentor. I mean, he, he was, he was brilliant. I, you know, like him or not, he, the guy was really smart. And he told me one time, I remember I had, I had messed something up or I'd done something wrong. And, and I went in and I was sitting before him. And if you ever had to sit before judge Forbes, he was very understanding. But when he told you something, he meant what he said and, and you better take it to heart. And, and so he was railing on me a little bit about how I'd messed up, not in his own way. Right. And, and I looked at him and I said, judge, I, I'm sorry. You know, I, I said, I'm, I'm really sorry. And he stopped everything and he looked at me and he said, never say you're sorry. He said, don't apologize for a decision that you've made right or wrong. Stand by it and, and own it. And I look at you and I think a lot, a lot along those lines, because everything that I've known you for 20 years has has kind of been that way. I mean, you've may have said some stuff that may have rubbed people the wrong way or or or, or not. Some people loved it. Sure. But but I've never 
I mean, I've always seen you own everything. I mean, is that just part of your philosophy? It's it's the way it is. You know, uh, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it going 100%. There, there's no no time to sit and think about what you're going to do when that decision uh, is relevant on you dictating it right this moment. Sometimes it works. Very few times it does not. I think, you know, I think if people, it, it goes back to accountability, like you said, I, I, you know, you're, you're going to be accountable for your decisions and, and what you say. I want to know what you want to tell the voters right now, because I, we need to wrap this up and I want to know your message to the voters and why they should vote for, for Jim Smith, magistrate judge division one and put you in office. Oddly enough, Curtis, uh, the primary response to that would be that because I am not a career politician, most people in Carlsbad know me for who I am and what I have done positively for the community. Um, I'm a regular run-of-the-mill guy. Uh, I, I'm, I'm the guy that'll have a beer with you and watch a football game and, and we'll, we'll have a good time. Uh, but I also have an extremely serious side that few people have seen. Um, but I think the fact that I am just one of the guys, one of the regular guys that happens to have the benefit of knowing from start to finish, especially on the criminal aspect, how the process in magistrate court works, the fact that I want to make sure all citizens of Eddy County who are before me, regardless of what they're there for, are heard, their stories get told, and they leave, right, wrong, or indifferent, with a sense that they have gained equity and fairness in my courtroom. I have one more question, okay? Because it just came in on Facebook, and I feel bad that if uh, if I don't ask it, I, I might have some haters. So what I'm going to throw it out there. A lot of people think that there's favoritism that goes on in a town like this when somebody goes to court and they know the judge. I, they, they, a lot of people think that. I mean, and I I know that that's not the case. Sure, but what happens when when your brother comes in, I know you'd recuse, but let's just say somebody really close to you or you know you're familiar with, how you treating them? You treating them the same way? You giving them any kind of break? I mean, are you, are you going to get over that that to do the job? Because that's part of it, just like a police officer. They pull their mom over. They pull their mom over. They write the ticket. 100% across the board. In any situation that requisites that I recuse myself, we're done. It's over. Uh, but if it's someone uh, that I do know knows me, regardless, it goes back to one of the reasons I was able to have the measure of success that I did here is the fact that over the past 16, 17 years, regardless of how violent some of the arrests that we made got, they were always treated like people. They were always treated with respect. Uh, never never had a complaint filed on me in 17 years from anyone that we've arrested for use of force or harsh words that may have hurt their little feelings or anything like that. Right. Um, treating everyone, treating everyone with a sense of fairness and equal, I think is a measure that can't be, that can't be touched. Absolutely. Jim, man, good luck. I really appreciate you coming in and spending some time with us and, and putting it out because this is stuff, you know, an interview like this 
you're not going to hear just anywhere because you don't have a lot of time right. to really sit right. down and talk. And, sure. and thank you for taking some time out of your day and coming Hey, in. I appreciate you for having me. Thank you. And hope to see you guys at the polls in November. Folks, this is Cranked About Politics. I'm Curtis McKinney, and I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, again, Brad wasn't here, but he'll be back. I, I don't know what he's doing, screwing around as always, but uh, we'll see you next time. And, and we're going to get some more candidates in here and let you hear their points of view. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.